Hi, welcome to the Landscape Greens Cleveland Podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. On a recent edition of The Landscape, we were joined by Ashley Bissell-Eckens. She's the president of Engage Cleveland. And we talked about retaining young talent here in Northeast Ohio, as well as attracting them from other places to help fill the jobs that make our region grow. Global Cleveland expands that perspective. Their mission is has an international perspective. They are here to connect international newcomers to economic, social, and educational opportunities in Cleveland and Cuyahoga County. We're glad to be joined by their president, Joe Semperman. Joe, thanks for being with us today. Good morning. Thanks. Great to be with you. You and I have a similar experience. We were raised by immigrant parents in a bilingual household. I wonder how that helped prepare you for the job that you have now. Well, it's a great question. And, you know, so many people across Northeast Ohio have this experience. Uh, If it's not a parent, it's a grandparent, it's somebody in their community. The truth is our community, our region, our cities wouldn't be what they were, uh, but for the incredible influx of talent that's been happening for about a century and a half. We like to talk a little bit about perspective. And one of the things that John Grabowski, the incredible professor at the Cleveland History Center, has taught me was that when you look at uh, data and you look at statistics like the decade between 1910 and 1920 uh, had um, uh, one of the largest populations of Cleveland at any point. It was what made us the fifth largest city in the United States. Uh, We were obviously a growing city, a place that had a lot of opportunity and a lot of people working and coming here from all over the world and clearly African-Americans coming from the South. But at that time, Dan, when we were in the middle of that um, influx, um, half of our population in the city spoke a language other than English. And I bring that up because you would think that would be the epitome of chaos, of trouble. Uh, If you read um, uh, 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 spiritual uh, texts in scripture, it'd be the the town of Babel. And yet look at the decade of 1910 and 1920 and see some of the other things that were happening. It was the uh, beginning of the City Beautiful movement. This idea of cities being a place not that you escaped to, but that you went to because there were opportunities. It was this incredible opportunity of, of, of the city club formed in that decade. The metro parks were formed in that decade. The Cleveland Foundation was formed in that decade. And so all of these things were so critical. And what we say is that those things wouldn't have happened. That kind of creative surge wouldn't have happened had we not had this incredible influx of immigrants. And my hope is that we can continue uh, learning from what we had back then and see how we could get the number of people coming into the city increasing who come from outside of the United States. As a number of people know, you were on Cleveland City Council for a number of years. You represented a very diverse ward. Um, what was the makeup of that ward and what did it teach you about how to balance sometimes conflicting interests? The best part about that ward was that there was never a majority and the, and the, the, the numbers moved a lot. Um, about 40% of the ward was white Caucasian, about 30% was African-American, about 20% was Latino, Spanish speaking, about 10% was Asian. And that was pretty much the case as the ward boundaries moved, because when you look at the center of the city, neighborhoods like Asia Town, neighborhoods like Old Brooklyn, neighborhoods like uh, uh, North Broadway and the Slavic Village community, the Sinclair Superior community where I was born, um, there's just so many different people coming into that part of the, the community and have been. Um, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about um, the importance of transparency, the importance of listening, uh, but also that there were just so many great ideas that came from the community, ways in which people um, thought about things to make um, how we could be um, even better at um, uh, uh, providing services from the city. And what I really loved was that oftentimes uh, people would talk about, well, where I'm from, these are some of the things that we did. And when I was little, before I came to the United States, these were ideas that came forward. I'll give you a great example of that. Um, 
we were, um, I was on a delegation with Mayor Jackson and he asked me to go to Slovenia. Uh, Slovenia is where my mom and dad are from. Slovenia is, you know, a country that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, I like to remind people Slovenia is the only country in the world with the word love in the middle of it. <laughs> um, and um, Slovenia is just a, a beautiful place um, that's got a lot of things that are, I think, uh, similar to Cleveland. Cleveland is also the number one uh, place for Slovenians outside of Slovenia. So there's a lot of connections. The mayor and I were walking one night. Uh, we were there for a week in Ljubljana meeting with economic development people, meeting with folks in, in different industries. And all of a sudden, this blue siren goes off and this giant post starts rising from the pavement, literally creating a bollard in the street, a block in the street. And what they were doing was they were evacuating all of the cars and the buses from the center of their city. And you would almost immediately saw the, the restaurants push their tables four feet out further. You saw the bicyclists starting to take over. And the mayor looked at me and he said, why can't we have this in Cleveland? And I think some of the ideas that the mayor had about how we return public spaces to the public came from some of the places when we went on tours like that. And I just say, like, it's just so important because, you know, Cleveland does have this reputation of being a place for a lot of um, immigrants and a lot of people coming from all over the world. Cleveland needs to follow up with that and be the place where those ideas that work all over the world work here. And I'm thinking about transit. I'm thinking about how we engage with our government. I'm thinking about things like how, you know, communities are so invested in their children and how we make things work. And I just think there's a lot to be said about learning from uh, people who've come from abroad. For people who aren't familiar with Global Cleveland's history, how did the organization come into existence? Ten years ago, um, organizations like the city of Cleveland, uh, the county, the state of Ohio, uh, the Cleveland Foundation, the Jewish Federation, the Gun Foundation, and different businesses said, how can we formalize the work of welcoming and inviting international newcomers? You know, for so long, um, the idea of population growth was based on this uh, sociological, demographic, political theory. If you build it, they will come, right? If you build the next convention center, if you build the next stadium um, in the 50s and 60s, if you build the next freeway. It was this whole idea that, you know, it was this act of construction uh, versus invitation that would bring people here. And then you started to see places like Cleveland. Uh, not have the same number of immigrants coming that you did in San Francisco or Seattle. Places like Boston, New York, and Miami began to be the places to attract them. So 10 years ago, cities like Cleveland, Milwaukee, Detroit, Columbus, uh, Dayton, um, Cincinnati started looking at how do we formalize the work of immigrant welcome and in immigrant integration. And we were formed and uh, we've been doing everything we can over those 10 years to see how can we bring Cleveland back to those days when we were a major hub of immigration. And I would say in innovation, you know, Dan, one of the things that we say all the time at Global Cleveland is to immigrate is an entrepreneurial act. If you can figure out the language, the customs, the culture, the economy, the taxes, how you live your dreams in a very different place than from where your cradle was. You are an entrepreneur. You're someone who understands how to bypass the hurdles and the things that life will put in front of you. And so part of the reason why we think it's so important for our community to be recognized for immigration welcome and immigration integration is that if we are going to be that innovative hub that we know we are and the most that we can be, it's going to happen with immigrants working with our native-born community and making this a place that people say Cleveland is a destination and I want to move there and I want to stay there. Let's talk about some of the partners you work with. Global Cleveland has a role in the all-in plan that's been outlined by the Greater Cleveland Partnership. 
in the organization. What is your role generally, though, to help foster economic growth in both the city and the region? It's a threefold. We work a lot uh, in the space of workforce now. You know, workforce has become the new um, uh, phrase that everyone uses, not just because it's so critical, uh, but also because clearly our, our companies and our corporations are struggling to find workers. Um, we don't see the kind of activity that we think is is important in terms of welcoming and training and integrating immigrants and refugees into the workforce. And so we're partnering now uh, with places like GCP and organizations like Magnet that are doing incredible work. Um, we have uh, Mr. William Gary, the executive vice president of workforce from Tri-C is on our board. We're constantly getting advice by him in terms of ways we can make it easier for people who are born outside the U.S. to come here. I'll give you an example. I had the privilege of getting to know a gentleman by the name of Bacht. Bakht came to Cleveland, uh, Dan, in August after Kabul fell, after the situation in Afghanistan became untenable. He and his wife were placed here with their four kids, um, and Bakht's brothers-in-law and sisters-in-law were placed in San Diego. Bakht found Cleveland so welcoming and so inviting that he convinced 18 of his family members to leave San Diego and move to Cleveland. Now, with the winter we've had, I'm not sure they're, they're feeling the love or the gratitude. But the truth is, Cleveland has wrapped its arms around the community from Afghanistan, unlike almost any other community in the United States. Now, we need to take it one step further. For the people that are listening, Bakht has better English-speaking skills than I do. Bakht can write computer programming. Bakht worked for the armed forces in Kabul. Bakht cannot get a job. We have so many hurdles in terms of, well, I'm not sure about the degree. Well, you know, what's his visa status? Well, and I keep thinking to myself, it's not a matter of law or policy. It's a matter of will. And so what we do with organizations like GCP, with organizations like Magnet, with other organizations like Tri-C is say, how do we make sure you understand we've got the talent here? We have to take advantage of it. If we are going to become the city and the county and the region that we are destined to be, it's going to happen by us putting our people to work, by making sure that the best and brightest are here. The second thing we do a lot in terms of uh, our work at Global Cleveland is making sure that the understanding of immigrants and native-born, that the bridge is wide open. How does that happen? Um, we need better um, English as a second language um, uh, communication uh, throughout all of our websites, our government websites, our, our, our big corporate websites, our nonprofit websites. I am so proud of Cuyahoga County that they have taken on the important work of becoming a welcoming certified government, which is done through an organization out of Atlanta called Welcoming America, where they basically then go through a diversity, equity, and inclusion process, but geared toward the newcomer, the international immigrant and refugee perspective. So what's happening right now under the leadership of our county executive and great people like Chief Matt Carroll and uh, Economic Development Director Paul Hurdig is the county's departments are going through the steps of what does it mean to be a full service county to people who come from another place, whose cultures may be different, who maybe don't have English command like we do, and figure out how to be better um, serving them. When our county becomes certified, we will become only the second county in the state of Ohio. And it is like a beacon to immigrants and newcomers that says, welcome, we're here, but we're not just here. We're ready for you and we want you to come. The third thing I would say to you is this. Global Cleveland right now is at a 49% uh, place. And I love it. 
I love the fact that people are talking about it. If you were listening to the City Club yesterday, our director of uh, the library, Felton Thomas, our president of City Council, Council President Blaine Griffin, we're talking about the power of, of welcoming, of international talent, of innovation. We are so grateful, right, that so many leaders are doing that. But we know that Cleveland and Northeast Ohio is the ultimate land of tipping points. And we need to get more of our uh, international uh, students who are at Cleveland State and Case Western and Tri-C hired over the summer. We need to make sure that our, that our, our citizens that are coming from all over the world really feel that welcome throughout Northeast Ohio. And what we do every day is try to get us ever closer to the tipping point. You wouldn't know this by looking at me, but when I was a young man, I used to run marathons. <laughs> and I ran Boston um, without registering. And I ran Dublin, Ireland. My best race was Pittsburgh. And I ran a 338 for a guy like me, uh, uh, the shape of a dumpling. Uh, I was able to finish that race in three hours and 38 minutes. The person I was working with said to me, you have achieved 90% of your success, Joe, in the two or three years that you've been training. It will take you another 10 years to get to the next 10%. And I feel that's where we are right now in Cleveland. We are right there, but we're not there yet. And I'm saying to everyone, take a chance, hire an immigrant be a mentor, welcome someone from another custom, culture, and language and country into your circle, and you will see how your life will change, and you will be a part of why Cleveland and Northeast Ohio's comeback is, is assured. Joe Semperman joins us today for The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. Joe is the president of Global Cleveland. Joe, how do we measure the economic impact of immigrants here in Northeast Ohio? Is there a way to look at their contribution and to assess it? So a couple things. If you look at the uh, website called the New American Economy, um, which is a really important organization that works with 100 cities across the United States, it measures what I call the IQ, the immigrant quotient. And every year, cities are rated by how well they're doing or not in terms of 70 very specific criteria. What is the housing opportunity? How many people on your police forces speak a language other than English? What does food security or insecurity look like? It literally encompasses everything that, that gauges how well your city is treating someone or is employing someone or is working with and for someone born outside the U.S. Cleveland started in the first year of us being measured at number 64. I'm proud to tell you that last year we were ranked at number 21. It shows an increase in terms of our attention to detail, but it also shows that while we're in the top third of the cities across the United States, we really won't be making that kind of, of global impact, I think, until we get to the top 10. I am thrilled at the county certified welcoming process. I have to tell you, Mayor Bibb is so all in in terms of how to make immigrants and refugees and newcomers so much a part of his administration. We continue to hear from people like Beju Shaw, who was the founder of Global Cleveland and is now the CEO of GCP a proud son of immigrants himself, of ways in which we can continue to incorporate it. But we've got a lot of work to do. We've got a lot of companies that need workers. We've got a lot of um, uh, uh, international students that we need to keep here. And, you know, it's the day-to-day -day work. I, I say all the time, and I, I, I quote Dan Gilbert in this, is, you know, we're talking about being all in. Victory happens in inches. And it's that getting that one extra company, getting that one extra mentor. And so as an example, we do whatever we can to pair people up. We have a program called Global Rising, which is a lot like a leadership program for immigrants and refugees who are ascending in Cleveland but haven't gotten where they want to yet. And we pair them with mentors. And you should see the exponential growth that happens from that relationship of one-on-one. -on -one. 
there's a saying in, in circles of people who fought for civil rights in the 60s, which was each one, teach one, each one, bring one along. And we keep saying to people that what's going to happen, how we're going to change, how this community will be transformed is through the friendships that we have with one another and the sense that we are securing each other's success and each other's future. Yes, to immigrate is an entrepreneurial act. But Dan, we also say at Global Cleveland that kindness is economic development. If we want to be a city that competes for the Intels and the Sherwin-Williamses and the next company that's yet to be named that's going to employ thousands of people, we have to be a place that takes care of each other. And welcoming immigrants and newcomers is one sure way to succeed in terms of your city and your future. One of the things you often hear from immigrants, no matter what city they move to, is the, the red tape they have to go through to try to become a citizen. How does Cleveland compare with other cities when it comes to ease of becoming a citizen? I realize there's a federal component to that as well, of course, but how do we do? We're, we're doing pretty well. In a study that was done a few years ago um, uh, by basically looking at federal courthouses where the naturalization processes take place, and one actually happened this morning, our staff goes to every one uh, of the citizenship um ceremonies that are public. And, and I'll share with you why in a second. Cleveland does very well uh, under the leadership of people like Judge Dan Polster, under the leadership of people like Magistrate Ruiz and other judges at the federal courthouse who are all uh, really engaged in, in the citizenship ceremonies. Um, Cleveland is considered to be one of the least bureaucratic in terms of how quickly people's applications are expedited. Um, some parts of the country, Texas, California, have waitings, uh, waiting periods of over a year, uh, 12 to 13, 14 months. Cleveland's turnaround is the quickest when you look at federal courthouses across the United States. And yet, in spite of that, 2016, we had about uh, 2,600 people become citizens. I am convinced, and the numbers went up every single year since 16, I am convinced that had COVID not come to Cleveland, we would be approaching 5,000 people becoming citizens every single year in Cleveland, doubling the number that we had uh, just six years ago. And the reason for that is the more people realize that this is a place that welcomes people, they don't want to just take their citizenship here, they want to stay here. And the more people we can get to take the citizenship and stay here, the more our population starts to grow. We are a nonprofit. We do not engage in politics. If you are a Green Party, Democrat, Republican person, if you're independent, if you're apolitical, our one goal is to grow our community's prosperity and population by welcoming newcomers from all over the world. You know right now there's a big conversation happening in Columbus about how the map will be drawn for our congressional uh, maps and how that's going to look. This is what I will say to you. Yes, I wish we didn't lose a congressman. Thank an immigrant for the fact that we did not lose two. The number of immigrants who moved into Ohio, who moved into Northeast Ohio, who moved into Franklin County, who moved into Butler County and Lucas County and counties across the state of Ohio surpassed what states typically have. And even though our native population dropped, we had enough immigrants moving in that instead of losing two congressional representatives, we only lost one. Can you imagine if we had so many newcomers moving in that our voice from the great state of Ohio, founded in 1803, that's got everything from agriculture and technology and everything in between, if we had even more Congress people, more representation, because we had such a surging population, we can get there. And what it means is each one of us has to do our part in terms of making sure that that person we meet who's a newcomer feels that this may not be their first home, but this is their home now, and we want it to be their home forever. I always love the ceremony that happens in the summer. It's usually held outside where they swear immigrants in and they become citizens. 
you are talking with these people. You're working with them all the time. Do they do they get a sense of sort of like, how do I want to say it? Sometimes we are jaded. We're born in this country. We understand what our freedoms are. We kind of take them for granted. Do you get a feeling when you talk to them that they have a they sort of have a renewing sense of what it means to be American, what it means to have freedom, the, the founding principles of this country? Um, yes, yes, and yes. I find their patriotism to be um, astounding. They, uh, regardless of how long or how hard it was to come here, have such a deep and passionate love for the ideals of our country. Um, and it, it's transformative. Um, a few years ago at the City Club uh, on Citizenship Day, which always happens in the middle of welcoming week in September, we had an event for, uh, we did a naturalization ceremony with the folks at the City Club. And um, there was a, a, a young woman who was there and uh, she told me she was from Thailand and she was being sworn in as a citizen that day. Well, a few minutes later, I see a guy walk in in a leather jacket and really long hair. And I thought to myself, okay, this is a naturalization ceremony. I really hope that, you know, we're, we're all here for the same reason. And I went up to the, sir, to the gentleman and I said, hey, can you, um, I thank you so much for coming. Um, it's a public event, but, you know, just checking in with you. And he said, oh, you don't have to check in with me. He said, I'm here for my friend Cookie. And I said, who's Cookie? And he pointed to the woman from Thailand that I was talking to. He said, Joe, you know, we live out in the Western suburbs. We've been neighbors for over 20 years. Um, but for blood, she is part of my family. And I sat there and I thought to myself how judgmental I was, how, how cynical I was. Here's this man who has the most important thing you can do for a newcomer. He has a friendship with her and he's there to support her. And, you know, my mom could say the Pledge of Allegiance in her sleep. And my dad, you know, was so loyal to this country. Dan, I take it for granted. And I think to myself, there's a lot that these immigrants can teach us about the founding principles of our, of our country. And it's something that reminds me every single day not to take it for granted. April, Mark, six years for you at the helm of Global Cleveland. What are some key priorities in front of you as you move forward? Uh, obviously, further integration in the for-profit sector, getting people to realize that our secret sauce is here and it's called immigrants. Secondly, to work with leaders like Mayor Bibb and our county, uh, to work with our, our state government. Governor DeWine has been really extraordinary in terms of his uh, support for um, English as learning language, You know, being there for that immigrant workforce, figuring out how we make Ohio that place that everyone wants to go to, forget the coasts. Thirdly, um, that no matter who you are, where you come from, that our community will be so educated and, and engaged and innovating, that people will realize that, um, you know, people who may sound different or look different really want the same thing. Um, it was kind of brought home to me, uh, Dan, the other day when I was having dinner with a family from Afghanistan, and they had to flee uh, pretty quickly in some really stressful situations. And the love that they have for this city and for her people, it just, it just made me quiet. Um, more of that more of Cleveland being who she truly is, which is welcoming the newcomer and, and inviting people to be here and inviting people to participate in this experiment, which we call Northeast Ohio. It's still happening, right? We haven't even come close to our potential, but we're going to get closer if we start to figure out how to employ, engage, and support in leadership our international newcomer community. Joe Semperman, president of Global Cleveland. Thanks for joining us today. It's always great. Can I add one thing, Dan? Can I add yeah, one sure. thing? Our founder, Albert Ratner's mom used to say to him, she was an immigrant, 
And she used to say a prayer to him at night. And I think about this prayer a lot because I think it kind of sums it up and it's short. And the prayer goes like this. He drew a line to keep me out. Heretic, rebel, a thing to flout. But love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle and brought him in. Dan, more circles, more often, more Cleveland. Amen. Joseph Perman, thanks for joining us today. Great to have Thank you. Thank you so much. Joseph Perman is the president of Global Cleveland. He joined us for The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Plata. We're glad you could join us, and we'll talk again soon. 